Lone Star Gun Talk is a Lone Star Gun Rights production. Original music and hosted by Derek Wills. Copyright Lone Star Gun Rights 2019. Lone Star Gunners, welcome to the podcast. This is Lone Star Gun Talk, the official podcast of Lone Star Gun Rights. And I'm your humble host, as always, Derek Wills. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, if you are noticing, thank you. Yeah, I did get my beard trim. It was a little, a little out of whack. A little out of whack. Uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, so we got a lot to get to today. There is news coming out to broke today, just uh, less than an hour ago, that... Um, that Joe Joe Walsh, who is a former congressman from Illinois, is going to be running against Donald Trump for the uh, Republican uh, nomination for president. Uh, We're going to touch on that briefly. Uh, We also have uh, a story that we talked about whenever it first broke. Uh, Michael Dredgka, who is the Florida man, always Florida man, who shot and killed a uh, a black man in a parking lot of a convenience store after, he, well, Michael Dredgka was berating his pregnant wife over the fact that she temporarily parked in a handicapped spot. Uh, we got news on that. We also are going to be covering Greg Abbott and gun control, as well as uh, the oh-so-wonderful Dustin Burroughs, uh, who is a state rep that is uh, essentially Dennis Bonin's right-hand man, uh, we're going to be getting into some of that regarding the Michael Quinn Sullivan uh, recording scandal. Uh, and then finally, we're going to wrap up with some a uh, little bit more of Dan Crenshaw. So we got a, we got a lot of uh, action-packed things to get to today. Uh, so if you want to go ahead, chime on in in the comments where you're watching from and uh, follow along. I have gone ahead and uploaded the show notes for you in the description uh, so you can uh, see everything that I am if you don't want to just watch the video. Okay, so first, let's talk Michael Dredgka. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this, um, but apparently uh, Michael Dredgka has been found guilty of manslaughter. Now, for those who might have forgotten what happened, I'm going to play this little short snippet of a video that... Uh, is embedded in this, uh, what, what is this? This is a Washington Post link. Um, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not long and it t- contains no sound, but I'm going to start it right after uh, McLaughlin, uh, the guy who died, uh, walks out of the store. Uh, and you can see here, he comes out, he sees Dredgka yelling at his girlfriend, and he walks up to him, pushes him to the ground, and then he starts pacing back and forth. Dredgka pulls out his gun, McLaughlin starts to back up, and Dredgka shoots him, and then McLaughlin runs back into the store and later dies. Um, I said at the time that I thought that this was an unjustified shooting. Uh, Even though it happened pretty quickly from a relative standpoint, um, there was... was, I, I could not see any justification for Dredgka to squeeze the trigger. Um... It looked to me pretty obvious that, yeah, McLaughlin should not have shoved him. 
that was definitely uncalled for, but he was no longer a threat after the initial shoving. Uh, a lot of people that were listening did give us a little bit of heat for it, uh, for the fact that they said, if you touch me, then I will shoot you. Uh, well, that's typically the case, but usually they follow up with added threats. Since what McLaughlin did is he just pushed him and then didn't like get on top of him and start beating him. He just seriously started pacing around. And you can see from the video that, uh, well, what it appears to be. I can't conclude this because I wasn't on the jury. Uh, but it looks like as soon as McLaughlin saw that he had a gun, he instantly started backing up even further. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is actually a good application of, uh, of, of the law doing what it was supposed to do. I think that Michael Dredgeka should have been convicted of manslaughter. Uh, I think that is uh, an appropriate charge. I was con con uh, concerned at the time that they might try and go for murder. Um, and I thought that that was, that was too much of a charge. I don't think that that fit the bill. I think that manslaughter, which is what he was found guilty of, was a was a proper ruling in that. And I think that uh, them finding him guilty of manslaughter was definitely warranted. Um, anyway, that's all I'm going to really say about it. I just wanted to give everybody an update. Everybody that's been listening to this show for a while knows that I uh, talked about this uh, over the course of a couple of episodes, actually. Uh, so I wanted to make sure that I gave everybody the conclusion that we had as well and at least explain my thoughts on it just a little bit. All right, Greg Abbott. What to say about Mr. Greg Abbott? Uh, but before I do, I want to just uh, say, uh, I see Daryl, uh, Lori, thank you so much for... Um, Thank you for show, so much for chiming in. We got y'all watching and uh, more than a couple dozen others. Uh, good, good to see you guys in here. Okay, so let's get back to the topics du jour. This is an article from the AP that has been kind of been shared a lot on social media. And it's concerning to say the least. Of course, if you are a Greg Abbott fan, uh, you're not going to like this. If you're somebody that's been critical of Greg Abbott for a time, um, then this is going to come to really no surprise to you. It's just going to essentially add to the disappointment that you've already been feeling. Uh, but essentially, he starts talking about how he is concerned over what happened in El Paso, what happened in Dayton, uh, and quite frankly, who's not. They're not exactly things that we should be celebrating, right? They are awful, tragic events, and I I do agree with Republicans trying to, uh, I guess, label these as uh, domestic terrorism because that's what they are. I, I have always uh, really hated that anytime we talk about terrorism, it always seems to be talking about... We always seem to be talking about... Uh, radical Muslim terrorism, which, yeah, that's a big bulk of it, but domestic terrorists are real, and it's time we acknowledge their reality as well. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad to see that conservatives and Republicans are starting to talk about this in a sense that it is domestic terrorism, because that's exactly what it is. However, 
whenever they start talking about how gun control is amazing and beautiful because re when Republicans do it, because at least they're not trying to take their take our guns, they just want law enforcement to take to confiscate them whenever there's a threat and they feel that the need to do so. Uh, it's exactly the same thing. Uh, but Greg Abbott, according to this, uh, said that he was concerned about private gun sales, which what that means is universal background checks. Uh, I went over last week how there was a bill in Congress uh, for those who uh, anybody that wants that is a private seller. Uh, this bill in, that is federally filed. Should it become law, if you want, to, if you are a private citizen and you want to sell your firearm, you have to go to an FFL dealer. You have to uh, then transfer your weapon to the FFL. The FFL will then perform a NICS check on the prospective buyer, and then once they pass the NICS check, they will transfer it to the buyer. Uh, that will have to happen for literally every sale. Which, one, is ridiculous. Two, I have no idea how you're going to enforce that. Uh, three, I guess that means that it's going to be a... In order to enforce that, you would have to keep all of the 4473s that are filed for every transfer in order to prove definitively that somebody sold somebody a weapon without going through the proper channels which means that it is gun registration. Um, it wasn't something about th that I thought about at the time, but whenever you're, you start thinking about things a little bit more in depth, that's the only way you can enforce a, a universal background check, quote-unquote, is to have a registration so that way you can keep track of every transfer that happens. Otherwise, you will have zero enforcement mechanism if you catch somebody with a weapon and you have no idea how they got a hold of that. Okay, so this weapon was never transferred to you. It was transferred to this other guy that lives three states away. Uh, do you know that guy? Yeah, he was my neighbor. Well, he never reported it stolen, so I guess we're now going to throw two people in prison. Uh, one for, uh, for what you did, and two because he didn't follow the whole transfer process. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Uh, going back to this AP article, it says, uh, uh, and the National Rifle Association was there, um, praised Abbott for expanding gun rights in Texas. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So scrutinizing private gun sales was among the list of ideas Abbott raffled off after emerging from a four-hour closed-door meeting about the El Paso shooting, which lawmakers, police, and representatives from Google, Facebook, and Twitter... Uh, also, Dennis Bonin was there, etc. He also floated the idea of welfare checks. When worries, when worries are raised about people with access to firearms, authorities have said the mother of the, suspect, of the suspected El Paso gunman had called police weeks before the attacks to express her concern about her son buying an AK-style rifle. This sentence right here is... Probably one of the quintessential reasons why we oppose things like this. She called police to express concerns because he bought a rifle she didn't like. Now, it just so happens that he also was a maniac who decided that it was a good idea to commit an act of domestic terrorism in a Walmart in El Paso. 
But what are you going to do? Are you seriously going to have the police called every time somebody buys an AR or an AK? Hell, what if they buy a... Uh, what if they buy a bolt-action rifle with that fires a 6.5 Creedmoor uh, accurately out to 1,500 meters? Are you going to call the police on them? Because now, the, you know, I think he's going to be a sniper. Uh, there's no need for anybody to be able to shoot that far. Nobody's hunting out at 1,500 meters. That's that's a long way away. Um, which seems kind of prophetic. If you, you know, it. it it seems a, it seems, well, uh, I, I know I've been giving Phil a, a lot of love on this show and today's, I guess, is no different. If you've read his book, that's how things really started is with the sniper rifle, uh, confiscate, uh, sniper rifle laws for bolt action rifles because nobody needs to shoot out past, you know, 20 feet, etc. Um, Sam says, uh, gun laws don't work. Criminals don't care about laws. Yeah, that is exactly right, because that's what makes them criminals. If only, I mean, that's, that's seriously, it's easy enough for a five-year-old to understand why are our lawmakers, um, why do they, why can't they get it? I don't understand. Um, actually, I do. Because of the fact that it's, it really is. Whenever people say that gun control is not about guns, it's about control, it really is. And I'm going to get to Dan Crenshaw here in a bit, but there's something that he said that kind of tips... Uh, that well, He said something that kind of gives credence to that, uh, but we'll get to that in a, in a moment. First, I want to talk briefly... Well, this is actually not going to be brief. This is actually going to take some time. Uh, for those who don't know, Dustin Burroughs is a, a, is a state rep out of the Lubbock area. Uh, he was one of the key members of the state legislature that our good friend Chris McNutt uh, went to his district and handed out literature, uh, flyers, if you will, uh, he, Dustin Burroughs was also the, the person whose office Chris went to in Lubbock to hand out flyers. Um, Dustin Burroughs is a very awful human being. And I don't say that lightly. He is a snake oil salesman if I've ever seen one. He is, first of all, he's young, he's slick, and he has a way with words that really gets people to listen. I, he, he's charismatic in a way that Obama was to, to a very large extent because he can actually say things that people will listen to. It resonates with them and the way he says it convinces people that what he is saying is the truth. He backs it up with a lot of confidence and that's what makes him kind of dangerous. Now, he was on the Chad Hasty show to talk about the the recording that Michael Quinn Sullivan has that is now being investigated by the Texas Rangers, and this is something that we can't forget about. It's being investigated by the Texas Rangers for accusations of bribery, not because of the fact that Michael Quinn Sullivan recorded a meeting with lawmakers. That seems to be getting lost 
a lot. Michael Quinn Sullivan is the president of uh, Empower Texans, which is a grassroots. If you're not familiar, they are a grassroots uh, media outlet uh, in Texas. Michael Quinn Sullivan is the president of them, and they are very, um, they're pretty good for the most part. They they do have a couple of things that sometimes we take exception with, but they're pretty solid. We are we are fans of Empower Texans here at Lone Star Gun Rights. And so I completely understand Michael Quinn Sullivan having a meeting with uh, Dennis Bonin and Dustin Burroughs and wanting to record that given everything that had happened prior to that meeting. In fact, Michael Quinn Sullivan wrote in his op-ed that the one of the reasons that he decided to record it was to protect himself because of the way that uh, Dennis Bonin had treated Chris McNutt over the whole, he went to my house to intimidate my family crap. Seriously. So it, now all of the Bonin apologists the Bonin lieutenants like Dustin Burroughs are coming out trying to spin this into a way that, you know, it's he he was recording us. That's bad. Except for the fact that it's not. Uh, but anyway, so he was on the Chad Hasty so, show and Chad Hasty was handing him uh, softball questions left and right. I mean, it was it is just absolutely hilarious. And it, like I listened to the whole interview. And I'm like, he said nothing. He said absolutely nothing. And in fact, he waited until the very last question to ask about the recording itself. So I'm going to play just a little bit of this and you can you can hear, you know, based on the context that, yeah, he uh, he was handing him softball questions the entire time. And listen to this answer. It, it is uh, it's quite it's quite funny. Check this out. Uh, before we let you go, uh, obviously, uh, the, the Texas Rangers have been investigating this. Uh, have you been questioned by the Texas Rangers yet? And did you there, there you know, there, there, there was the, the uh, alleged offer of media credentials to uh, empower Texans. Did you offer that specifically? I, I did not. But let me let me talk about this. So this is the worst of politics we have a secret recording we're letting it drip out one time at a time we're having selective clips talked about you know out of an hour-long conversation certain people get to hear it and then they get to go give their accounts of it here's the good news it's out of politics hands it's in the texas rangers one of the most premier law enforcement you know agencies in the state probably the entire country i respect them i am glad they're going to take a look at this and they're going to say what i think i already know at the end which is there was nothing illegal done in that meeting have they talked to you yet they have not okay yep that was uh that was uh, the biggest non-answer i have ever heard in my life have they talked to you Nope. Okay, cool. All righty. Well, th we're just going to end this interview right now before I have to come up with any more softball questions to ask you uh, because reasons. Now, uh, I will say this. Uh, Dustin Burroughs then went on a, uh, on a show called uh, Pratt on Texas. Robert Pratt is far less easygoing than Chad Hasty is. This, I'm, I'm going to tell you that this uh, clip is going to be just a, a little bit longer. Um, and there's, again, there's no real video on it. Um, but I will say 
that Robert Pratt smacked Dustin Burroughs down pretty hard. And it was it is very entertaining. I it I, it was really hard for me to f- pick just a small snippet of this 18 minute interview to cut out and play for y'all. That's how entertaining it is. And um, I did not put this in the current links that we have, but I will update it after the show uh, so you can listen to the whole thing. He smacks Dustin Burroughs down pretty hard. I uh, I I'm a fan. Uh, go ahead and check this out, guys. Said in that you called it a secret recording and you called it the worst of politics in an earlier interview. You think seem to think the guy suspicious of you all because he was opposite you all and criticized you a lot in the session. You seem to think recording the meeting Bonin requested is the problem in a lot of your comments. This is how it's been framed. What about the setup of the meeting and the quid pro quo pro issues that were the agenda of the meeting? You, you, it's it's you not like the guy coming and agreeing to a meeting set the agenda for it, and the agenda is what's in question, not whether somebody recorded it. You and I have a very different understanding about that, but that's okay, Robert. I mean, I, I you know, it is what it is. Well, it's an issue of right and wrong. I mean, well, either you, either you the, a, either you guys had an agenda or the speaker had an agenda and you just happened to show up that day, and that's fine. I'm willing to accept that. I think most people are. But either there was there's either a reason for a meeting or there not. Either is not. And if you had a meeting and it was called and he was asked to come, that means there was an agenda for the meeting. My, why my, is my, why my, is all my, of a sudden the, under, the guy documented my, the meeting the problem and not the agenda? My understanding is he was the one who wanted the meeting. That is my understanding as it is today. Uh, that, that, that is not what any of the other evidence or anything else out there indicates. And then then so you guys, OK, well, fine. Then it just comes down to either the politicians are liars or the guy that's out there trying to keep them straight is a liar. And I know which side I'll come down on because okay. that's not what's been said. And and this you guys have tried to make this sound like some nefarious thing. Oh, he recorded. I record a lot of my meetings. You're an attorney. You take depositions. You guys take a transcription of stuff. I mean, what's well, the big deal? Well, here's I, the I big, here, I don't here, understand. Here, well, here's the big deal. If you recorded the meeting, let's let it out. Let's let it be played. He has let's allowed all members. To, members are allowed to come in and listen to it. And a lot of them have. What's wrong with that so far? Well, I think it's become a public issue, something that he said he did to you know protect himself, and it's been weaponized. Let's put it all out there. Oh, no, no, no. The, no. the weaponization was when the speaker responded and pretended didn't know there was a recording and lied about the whole issue and then had to go back on it. You seem to be li- missing that interlude. Uh, that's that's what the that seems to be the issue. Anyway, look, we can argue. You can't answer for somebody else. I don't have a problem with your list, Representative. I don't at all. I mean, it's it's whatever. But I, I don't understand this demonizing the guy y'all had the meeting with because it turned sour on you. Uh, that that just seems like you're willing to ruin other people because it became politically inconvenient, and that's been done to me before. By other state reps and people, and I know exactly what position the man was in. Because if word of it came out, his reputation would be ruined, not yours. And then he's lost his job and everything he believes in and loves. And I, I just, it, it it frustrates me to hear y'all using these words like, well, secret recording and all this other stuff, as if trying to make it put the focus on that and not on the fact that the speaker called in a big critic and appeared to offer him a quid pro quo, and nobody wants to talk about that. Robert, again, I think it's high time these tapes come out. Let everybody listen to them for themselves. I really do believe this has gone on for a month. 
The people need to hear. Everyone has a right to hear what was Yeah, done. you're saying that as if people haven't heard it, but a lot of members, not just allies of Sullivan, allies of the Speaker, they have heard it, and every one of them told the press that everything they heard fits the description of the meeting put out by Sullivan. You're characterizing it as if everybody heard it, it would be different. What, are the other members lying now? Let me read you a quote from Representative Jim Murphy that he gave to the Dallas Morning News. End quote. The focus of the meeting was the 2020 elections and to have empowered Texas stop funding races against Republicans, said Representative Jim Murphy, Republican from Houston, who heard the recording. Yeah, Speaker Bonin and Chairman Burroughs made the point multiple times to bring the meeting back to the focus of the meeting, the 2020 elections. I mean, there but has you've been, already but you've already said you read, read a list, list of members and you've admitted there was an off of cuff, an off the cuff list of people to target. It doesn't matter if the if 90 percent of the of a meeting is on one thing, but 10 percent of it is what got you in trouble. It's the 10 percent everybody cares about. Robert. So from there, he goes on and talks about how uh, taxpayer-funded lobbying was killed. I found this whole thing to be hilarious, um, and it's definitely well worth a listen. Uh, now, I'm going through the comments as, as people were listening to this, and it, it's they're, they're quite funny. Joe says that, ban the clips over four cartridges. The kid killers won't be able to kill as many. They will still kill, but not in such huge numbers. That's funny. Um, Joe's security is a privilege. You can either take security personally or or hire others to provide security for you. Uh, guys, I think Joel was being a little sarcastic on that. Uh, I could be, could be, could be, could be wrong, but I, I, I think that he was being a little sarcastic. Uh, kids are making handguns in other countries with hand tools, and the guns are pretty legit and functional, and they can pound out a gun in about a week, and they never cover the amount of lives that are saved by the firearm when people have to protect themselves against criminals jay says you know what everybody here is absolutely right you know whenever it comes to gun control every every single law every single gun control law that has ever been written and has ever been conceived is in fact an infringement on the right to bear arms period dot end of story um now some people might believe that the Second Amendment grants this right. I believe that it is a natural right that government was had no authority to grant, and therefore, um, you know, that they have no ability to control. Now, I said earlier that uh, that uh, Dan Crenshaw had said something that kind of gave credence to the whole notion of it is about control, and. I'm going to play this. There's actually two clips kind of back-to-back. -back. There's going to be a transition kind of in the middle. Um, but uh, he was on Joe Rogan's show, and Joe Rogan is kind of a no BS kind of guy. Um, he's not he's not uber purist like we are, but he definitely doesn't take, you know, he doesn't take any crap from people. He knows what he believes, and he will call people out whenever necessary. Well, he had Dan Crenshaw on, and they start talking about gun control. And like I said, he gives credence to um, he gives credence to to the whole idea of um, of gun control being about control. Check this out. Um, and it and it's not clear what you do about that. Um, you you have to you have to look for signs uh, of people before they do it. And uh, 
so one bill that I'm on, which is which is I've taken a lot of fire for because the people are just I think misunderstand what it actually is, is is the TAPS Act, which is the Threat Assessment uh, Prevention and Safety Act. All this does is give local law enforcement the ability to apply for grants to get training and and behavioral threat assessment training and data analytical tools to identify these threats beforehand. And people that are opposed to it, they look at it like red flag laws, they, right? They, they combine those two quite a bit. Yeah. And Why are you just, talking about psychotropic drugs? It's a, the guns. No, I'm talking about the guns, too. I mean, I don't necessarily think that really angry, volatile people that have criminal records should have guns. I think they shouldn't. Right. So the and, guns and are... And we already outlawed that. Yes, we yeah. do. And we probably should, you know, have some understanding of who you are before we give you a gun. The real question is, what is that understanding, and how do we go about doing that, and how do we right. keep people from making these incredibly rigid rules, I mean, particularly regionally, right? If you have uh, states that decide to have incredibly rigid rules that preclude most people from having guns. Yeah. I mean, that can yeah. be possible if they just devise their own tests and yeah. you're honest about your perspectives on things. And that's the fear, and it's an honest fear to yes. have. Uh, because Yeah, what is the limit? You know, if you're on psychotropic drugs, should you be barred from having weapons? Right. Of course not. Uh, you know, and, and, and how, do you, how do you manage that? And you know, the way we do it now, again, you have to have committed a crime of some sort. So yeah. there's, there's other things, too. Uh, if you abuse medication, if you abuse... Uh, yeah, medication. Then I think you're also. I think in, according to federal law, like you're, you're you're barred from 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 owning that. You know that's in the system. Uh, I think dishonorable discharge from the military, things like that. So there's there's already a lot of standards that actually preclude you from from buying a weapon. And uh... so he said a lot there. And you know the thing about uh, the the thing about all of this is that it really doesn't matter. Um, like I said, he, 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 he said something about how do you, how do you manage that? We're, there's already, uh, there's, there are already, uh, there's already a system in place. And what that means is there is a system of control as to who can and cannot bear arms. And, you know, they start talking back and forth about what sorts of, uh, what sorts of, of, stipulations are okay which sorts of hard rules are not okay how could you know and they go down the 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 path of well you know it could lead to this if it's not kept in check etc etc that's all very valid except for the fact that any single law opens up that that uh that can that pandora's box of everything can now be you've established the precedent so now it doesn't really matter and you know Joe Rogan, uh, he's a pretty, he's a pretty stand-up guy. Uh, he said that he doesn't think that people who have been con convicted of, of violent of violent felonies should be able to have a firearm, etc. And a lot of people believe that. I mean, I personally don't think that people that have committed crimes should, but it's not my place or the government's place to deny that to anybody regardless of what their past history is because it's a natural right it doesn't matter what anybody thinks it doesn't matter what anybody feels it is a natural right that doesn't come from me it doesn't come from you it doesn't come from joe rogan it doesn't come from dan crenshaw it doesn't come from government it doesn't come from the entire population at large it comes from us 
from God. It comes from to us from nature. It is something that is inherent to us as human beings, as I have said many, many times. And a lot of people say that, well, if you've demonstrated that you can't use it properly, then you shouldn't be allowed to have it. I don't disagree with the sentiment, but I disagree with the fact that you or anybody else has the authority to somehow deny somebody else something that government or you never gave them to begin with. So, again, it doesn't matter how people feel. And if you control one group, you have established the precedent that it is okay to control another group up to and including the entire population at large. So, starting off with felons and domestic violence uh, abusers, it leads down to... Well, no, we can't trust anybody. A lot of people don't trust anybody. Most people don't trust everybody. Most people don't trust anybody. But that doesn't mean that we have the right to take away their guns because because of the fact that, or deny them their right to, to bear arms because of the fact that we don't trust them. It, it really is about control. And you want to believe that most people are inherently good, and I believe that most people are inherently good. The vast majority of people, I would even be willing to bet, are inherently good. But even if there were some formula, some scientific method, to definitively 1,000% prove that one that whether a person was actually good or evil, whether somebody actually intended on committing a mass homicide, if there was a way to do that, it still is not okay for government to deny anybody their natural rights. So, you know, going back to Crenshaw, he talked about the TAPS Act and he said that all it would do was educate law enforcement and train them and give them grants to come up with, uh, with these behavioral threat assessments. And, you know, the, the whole thing is rooted in how do, we, how do we stop homicides from happening. And you know what? To Dan Crenshaw's credit, and I didn't have this, this clip cut out, uh, but to Dan Crenshaw's credit, even in this same show that I, ju- I just played, he talks about how, um, you know, the rifle is one of the lower, uh, one of the... You have a better chance of being killed with other objects besides a rifle. And that is, in fact, true. So this is a graph that I made up uh, of my uh, copious amounts of data collection. I have plenty others because I don't have a life. Uh, But this is a graph of homicides, whole number homicides, by each year from 1980 through 2014, separated by each weapon you can see here that the handgun is by far the number one tool used but yet nobody is talking about banning handguns and nor should they the red line is quote other guns this is rifles this is shotguns okay long guns if you will and it kind of has a uh it kind of is in second place it used to be in third from the 80s where knives uh, were number one until about 1996 when uh, when long guns started taking more prevalence. 
And this is about the time of Columbine. Okay? And they talk about Columbine during that show. But if you look at the other weapons, knives, blunt, other, unknown. If you were to add all of these weapons together, it would su it would be higher than the other gun line. So, even though most people are fearful of these weapons because of the fact that the the media has sensationalized them to the to the effect of being the number one thing that people use to kill mass amounts of people it's not a substantial threat another thing that you should look at check check this out the highest the peak here in what was it 1994 looks like with peak handgun deaths uh it was oh 93 so just shy of 14,000 and um and even still that's 14,000 if you were to take the total number of homicides which I can actually pull up uh real quick uh the total number of homicides in 1993 was uh 23,760 uh that time there was a population of 256.5 million meaning that the total homicide rate was very very low very low um let's see here it was just shy of five let's see yeah five point uh sorry math is, is a little bit okay yeah 9.3 per 100,000 that was the the homicide rate total with all weapons that's 0.0093% it is incredibly rare doesn't matter what the tool is being used. It is something that we should not be worried about. Even if you are statistically more likely to be the victim of a homicide, meaning the number one person in this country that is statistically most likely to be the member of a uh, to be the victim of a homicide is a an adult black male. If you are an adult black male, you still ha shouldn't have to worry about this because of its rarity. We have currently 327 million people in this country. And the homicide rate is at the lowest it's been in over 50 years. And it has nothing to do with gun control. It, it just doesn't. And these people, and including Dan Crenshaw with his TAPS Act, with anybody with these red flag laws... None with Abbott with his private gun sale crap with anybody and everybody the mad mommies and oh by the way speaking of mad mommies let me throw this in here for you this is a nice little picture of Dan Crenshaw uh, with the mad mommies it's a tweet Dan Crenshaw if I pointed to the right the way there's Dan Crenshaw right there and we got a bunch of mad mommies all around him and it says Texas at mad mom's demand across the state are meeting with their representative and staff to introduce themselves and talk about red flag laws be smart and the passage of HRA we must keep going they now expect us so um, that's just something else uh, that Dan Crenshaw should have against him because of the fact that well who the hell takes pictures with the most notoriously angry 
uh, uh, gun control act that, or gun control organization that there is. Uh, Joshua asks, are suicide included in the homicide numbers? No. Suicides actually account for about the same number as total homicides with every weapon. So whenever uh, whenever gun control ad- advocates talk about how there are about 30, 33,000 gun deaths every year, what they're talking about is like the 10,000 that are uh, that are committed uh, in homicides, and that includes justifiable homicides, which admittedly is not a substantial percentage of the homicide numbers, but it is something that they are considering, or that they are including. They're including the, the 11,000 or so firearms-related homicides and the 20,000 or so firearm-related suicides. So the thing is, I know plenty, I, I know people, I've had people close to me who have killed themselves, okay? One of which was my sister. And she did so with a firearm, okay? This is not something that I take lightly. People will kill themselves regardless of the tools they have available. A a friend of mine that I served with uh, lost his battle to PTSD. He had a house full of guns. But guess what? He did not use them to kill himself. He decided instead to hang himself. People will kill themselves regardless of which tools they have available. So to sit there and and say that, well, if we just take the guns away, then suicides will go down. That's a lie to say, oh, if we just take the guns away, then then homicides will go down. That is also a lie. It is incredibly naive for anybody to believe that to be true. People set on doing something will do it. Okay, Timothy McVeigh didn't use a single gun. He had possession of one, but he didn't use it at all whenever he decided to kill uh I think it was like 400 people in Oklahoma City. People set on killing will kill. I don't care what, you know, even if a red flag law were to work the way that they expect it to on paper, which it never will, but even if they were, if if there was somebody that was seriously plotting a mass shooting and somebody reports them, And in the hearing, the judge says, yeah, I think so. So let's confiscate his firearms. And the police show up and they confiscate his firearms. Do you think all of a sudden he's going to be like, oh, shucks, I guess I'm not going to kill a bunch of people anymore for my political reasons that I'm very passionate about? Uh, no, they're not going to do that. What they're going to do instead is going to be like, well, I guess I am going to have to make some mustard gas, or I guess I'm going to have to make some explosive devices, or I guess I'm going to have to download the Anarchist Cookbook and get some ideas. I'm going to have to go onto the interwebs and figure out how to make some pipe bombs. And if I can't, I'll just figure it out. It can't be that hard, right? Go to the hardware store, get a couple of pipes, uh, buy some sort of uh, some sort of explosive agent which you can either make or you can uh, buy. Uh, you can make plenty of... Uh, you can make napalm with household items. It's very easy to do. Could you imagine somebody uh, who had their guns taken because the red flag law actually worked out properly, but they were dead set on killing people anyway? So they're like, you know what? I'm going to make a bunch of Molotov cocktails with napalm. I'm going to go to a mall and just start flinging them. Imagine the carnage that people would have to face. But now. 
We need to do these red flag laws because that's going to keep homicides down. And that's going to decrease the suicides. And that's going to that's gonna save people's lives. And you know what? If it saves just one life, it's worth it. Not when you're taking people's rights away. You don't take away people's natural rights that you, government, or anybody else did not give somebody. Period. End of story. Dan Crenshaw, Greg Abbott, and all these other uh, freaking rhinos, conservatives, whatever you want to call them, all of these people need to just stop what they're doing, and instead, they just need to lead a campaign to actually repeal every single gun control law we actually have on the books because they do nothing. Absolutely nothing. They have never once worked. They have never, they will never work because people set on killing people will find a way to do so. You know what? There is a great uh, quote that I'm going to read to you. I wasn't prepared to actually read this, but uh, this is, uh, this is from Thomas Jefferson. Um, he is quoting here 18th century, 18th century criminologist Cesar Becerra. Uh, I can't tell if that's Spanish or Italian. Probably Italian. Anyway, this is the quote. Quote, The laws that forbid the carrying of arms are laws of, <laughs> are laws of such a nature. They, uh, they disarm only those who are neither inclined nor determined to commit crimes. Such laws make things worse for the assaulted and better for the assailants. They serve rather to encourage than to prevent homicides. For an unarmed man may be attacked with greater confidence than an armed man. I guess Thomas Jefferson is just a radical right-wing conservative. I guess that he just doesn't care about the children. Think of the children! I, I, I can't I can't with these people. Everybody that, that says we, 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 we need to do something. We have to do something. No. You want to do something? Carry a freaking gun. That's what you can do. You you see somebody that's actually probably that is actually uh, inflicting chaos on another group of people? Take out your gun and shoot them in the face. Guess what? You've done something. And you've done something far more meaningful than some freaking piece of paper that went through a Capitol house and then got signed by some freaking figurehead that had zero effect. Carry a gun. You want to do something? Carry a gun. I'll tell that to the Mad Mommies too. If you want to do something, if you care about the children's lives so badly, then carry a damn gun. Anyway. I think that I have, <laughs> I think I've said a lot. Uh, so that's going to do it for me. Guys, we have a lot to uh, to do here in the future. If you can, please, please, please uh, join LSGR, become a paid member, uh, because the fights that we have ahead of us are going to take a lot of money. And the more money that we have as an organization, the more that we can put it to work, and the better that we have, better chance we have to get good pro-gun people elected. Until, until next Sunday, arm yourself with knowledge and share the ammo.